If you would, just stand to your feet with your word in your hand. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 11 and read down to verse 23. Earlier this morning, uh, we read this verse in, in unity. These verses. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 11 to verse 23. And the word of God says, And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their, their ears they, have barely, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word immediately and receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Father, we pray this morning that you will open the eyes of our hearts in order that we would see you in your beauty. Father, I pray, Lord, that your word, that it will fall on good soil, 
not for the praise of, of man, but for the praise of your Son. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, for the pneuma, the Spirit that, that breathes life. We desperately need your breath of life. But, Father, if you don't breathe life, Father God, we can't breathe. Pray, Father God, that you will revive the heart that is dead in this place for your glory in order that they will see you, Father God, that you will call those whom you have elected that may be sleeping, Father God, in order that they would live more passionately, Father God, that you would use me, a vessel that does not deserve to be used by you for your glory, in order that men may, may see my good works but glorify you, Father God. May you, Father God, do a fresh work, the hearts of every believer in here. Do it, God. We desperately beg you to do it, Father. Break us, Father God. But put us back together, Father. Stretch us, Father God. But heal us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we cry, holy, 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 holy. I want to see you. Can you stand to your feet and sing that with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. Pour out your power and love. As we sing holy, 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 I want to see you. One more time. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Come on and lift your hands up to the Lord. I want to see you. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. 
Costa Rica, they might sing it like this. Abre mis ojos, oh Cristo. Abre mis ojos, Señor. Yo quiero verte. Yo quiero verte. Abre mis ojos, oh Cristo. Abre mis ojos, Señor, yo quiero verte, yo quiero verte y contemplarte en majestad, brillando en la luz de tu gloria, derrama tu amor y poder. Mientras cantamos, Santo, 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 yo quiero verte. Holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 I want to see you. Amen. Truly, God is holy. God is worthy to be praised. A Christian is called to be holy. To be holy means to be set apart, to be separate. To be separate and, and separated from the world, to be different. To no longer live for our own advantage, but to live for the advantage of Christ. Jesus, in his ministry, as recorded by Matthew, started his ministry off with a, 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 a sermon that really foretold what his coming was all about. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, we hear Jesus' first sermon as he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his ministry, he started off with a, a message of repentance. 
He started off preaching to the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders of, the, of his day, by, by telling them to, to turn their lives to God and to live for him. And Matthew records in verse 23 that Jesus then, of chapter 4, that Jesus then went out through all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And the Bible said that Jesus, as a result, became famous. The Bible says that people who were afflicted with various diseases and pains and who were oppressed by demons, that they, they followed him in, in great crowds. And the Bible says that Jesus healed them. What an awesome Savior we serve. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus, throughout his ministry, as he was sowing seeds of the gospel, as he was preaching the message of repentance, he was not received by everyone. In fact, Jesus was really hated by one group of people. And this group of people had a, a very large influence in, in the nation in which he was preaching. These Pharisees, these religious leaders who Jesus often called hypocrites, these, these actors who were leading God's people astray, often rejected Jesus. In fact, in Matthew Gospels, for the first 11 chapters, we are just reading about, uh, we are just reading about all the great things that Jesus did. Matthew is building on from chapter 4, and he is showing exactly how Jesus' ministry fleshed out, exactly how it looked. But then we get to chapter 12, and in tw chapter 12, we see Jesus is met by the Pharisees. And they begin to challenge his ministry. They see him healing on the Sabbath, and they don't, they don't like it. So they begin to taunt him and, and try to catch him up in, in, in various situations. We see that they are just hating on Jesus all around. And they even begin to call him a, a, a demon. They say that the reason that he is able to do these miracles is because he is demon-possessed. Pharisees, who often followed Jesus to the synagogues and often followed him around Jerusalem and, and Galilee, their hearts grew hard towards him. And as a result, we see that the hearts of others are, are growing hard towards him as they are following their leaders. As Jesus called in Matthew 23, blind guides. Then we get to Matthew chapter 13. And we see that Jesus is on a beach. And there are so many people around him that he cannot just stand on a beach and preach. So he gets in the boat and he begins to preach. But he preaches in a unique way. In a way that I would not recommend any minister or pastor to preach. The Bible says that he preaches in parables. He began to preach in parables. We see him telling seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. A parable comes from two words, 
two Greek words. The first Greek word is, is para. And the second Greek word is balo, which literally means to, to throw alongside. See, a parable is a common thing, a common truth that everyone knows thrown alongside a mystery. Jesus began to speak in parables, which means that he took common things that, that the people knew, common things that the people experienced day by day, and he threw it alongside a mystery. And in Matthew chapter 11 through 16, we find out why he preached in parables. Verse 11 tells us the first reason that he preached in parables. It says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He has just told the parable of the sower. He, he has talked about basically how a sower went out to sow seeds, and the seeds fell on four different types of ground. And the disciples are confused. They're saying, why don't we know what's going on? What is, the, what is this parable? Uh, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus tells them the first reason. He says, listen, the reason I spoke in parables is in order that you may know the secrets of the kingdom. The second reason is found right after that. We see the comma. It says, but to them, speaking to the multitudes, it has not been given reason Jesus spoke in parables was to keep people in the dark, to keep the crowds in the dark. He wanted to speak in a way in which his disciples would be able to hear, and he can explain it to them later, but for those who truly were not his disciples, for them to remain in the dark. Specifically, the Pharisees. Because they had constantly rejected the message of the kingdom of God. They had constantly rejected the kingship of Jesus. So now Jesus, after preaching clear messages, after preaching the Sermon on the Mount, very clear messages, he says, now it's time for me to minister specifically to those whom God has elected, called, and chosen. But he gives a third reason. He tells us the third reason why he's speaking in parables. And he says, verse 12, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. For the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. She says the third reason why I speak in parables is to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. 
Isaiah was a prophet of Israel. And when Isaiah accepted his call and he saw the Lord in his temple high and lifted up and, 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 and he told the Lord, Lord, I will go and I will preach your word. The Bible says that God then looked at Isaiah and he said, Isaiah, you will indeed preach my word. But the word that you preach, it will fall on unfertile ground. These people, their hearts are dull. And it's all according to my plan in order that I may send one who will take away their sins. So Jesus here, he speaks in, in parables. And, and we see here that he speaks of a sower who went out and he sowed seeds. And it fell on four different types of grounds. And we see that four results came as a result of the seeds being sowed. And what this whole parable is about. This whole parable is pointing to the fact that most of the people who hear God's word will not believe. It's a parable. It's saying that the majority of the people who hear the gospel will reject the gospel. That's hard to understand and it's hard to believe because we live in what we call a Christian nation. Everybody in America is saved. Some way even atheists are saved. <laughs> we live in a society where being a Christian is so easy. And that people who are truly, who can care less about Jesus Christ are, are still labeled Christians because they are good people. They do good things. And we live in a nation in which we think that all of our politicians are Christians. We hear them give a speech and they tack at the end of the speech, God bless America. We say, that's right. God bless America. We live in a nation where little Wayne can hold a, a cup of, of syrup, sipping on some syrup, alcohol, and at the same time say, I thank God for this award. We live in a nation where football players and football teams kneel to pray be, before a football game, and we look at the television and say, isn't that so nice? The, the whole team is, is Christian. A nation that looks at small things and, 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 and then says or, or comes to the conclusion that this is, this is Christian. But Jesus is letting us know that not everything that says God or, or looks like God or talks about God is truly of God. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will be saved. Every time Jesus was preaching, he understood that there in the crowd was two types of people. Because in life, there is only two types of people. We can put them in, a, in all kind of categories. We can say people have A personalities and B personalities and C personalities and, and D personalities or Z personalities. But at the end of the day, there is only two types of people. There are, it's, 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 they are either in Christ 
or not in Christ. They either love God or reject God. There's only two types of people. The Bible says that there's two, two ways. There's the wide way, which leads to destruction, and the narrow way, which leads to the kingdom of God. But even though there's two types of people, I want us to understand that there are four types of hearts. And this is what this text is showing, saying. Let's look at the first type of heart. Verse 18 says, Hear then the parable of the sower. So Jesus is explaining the parable. When anyone bears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Now as we look over at the beginning of chapter 13, we'll understand that Jesus is talking about the, the sower as he went to sow, that there were some seeds that fell along the path. They fell along the path, uh, along the road. And Jesus here is explaining exactly how it looked to be along the path. He's showing the heart of that person. And he's telling them that the, the seed that fell along the path is a heart that was hard. Is a heart that rejected the gospel. And the Bible says they reject the gospel because the evil one comes and he snatches it away. The evil one speaking of Satan. As we Christians, as we members of Forest Baptist Church, as we look into the eyes of people, as we look into the eyes of the person behind the, the grocery counter, as we talk to the, our friend at Starbucks, as we talk to our professors, as we talk to our coworkers, we must be keen and know that this person has a heart. And their heart has been responding to God in one of four ways. And if their heart has been rejecting God, it is because their heart or the gospel has been snatched away by Satan. When you talk to a person who says, I don't believe in God. And they give you this deep philosophical and theological reason why there is no God. When you talk to an atheist or an agnostic, a person who says, I believe that there is a God, but I don't believe that God has revealed himself to us. We must call it as it is. This person's heart has been hardened. This person's heart is closed. This person's ears are dull. This person's eyes is closed. And this is not just a random occurrence. This is not just some flipping thing that happened. This isn't just a result of the household that they were raised in or, or something else. This is rebellion. It is Satan taking a stronghold in their heart and snatching away any truth that lands on it. Any truth that lands on it. The evil one snatches it away. And every time the word is preached, that is Satan's desire. His desire is to get us to ignore the gospel that is preached. 
His desire is to taint our hearing by, by, by doing a number of different things. Sometimes he, he does it by keeping us tired, by running our schedules. Amen. Sometimes he does it by, by having our attention on, on something else other than God, like our cell phone. All of a sudden, a text message that was received by little Nuke Nuke or little Bebe is just so important. Sometimes he, he does it by, by the things that we have filled our hearts with all week long, by, by sexual images, and we can't focus on what is being said because our hearts is filled with lust. The evil one, he snatches away the, the seed that has been sown in this type of person's heart because he desires to destroy them. In fact, the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his M.O. The Bible calls him a, a liar. He is the chief liar, and there is no truth in him. And Satan can make a lie seem oh so good. So when we look at somebody who is able to articulate their point and their beliefs with passion, we ought to see it as what it really is. This is a person who has been deceived and they have been deceived well. Bible says that the demons know that there is a God and they tremble. Satan knows theology. Satan knows his Bible. Second type of person we see it says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. So he hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. The second type of heart that we see is a heart that hears the word of God preached. And when they hear the word of God preached, they leave excited. They leave with a, a, a fake sense of joy and they walk out and they're excited about it. But as soon as persecution or tribulation comes on account of the word of God, they flee. Sower went out and he sowed on his ground. And, and the Bible says that it was rocky ground. And we as Christians, as believers, we want to look inward and make sure that our heart is not rocky. That when we hear the word of God preached on Sunday morning, that we protect it, that we cultivate it, that we make sure that it grows. Rocky ground. Tribulation comes on Monday, and the sermon that was preached on Sunday, it means nothing. Preacher hooped, and he hollered, and he said, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Joshua, by faith, Rahab, by faith. And he leaves and he goes and says, by faith, and as soon as he opens his door and, and comes in the house, his faith ceases. His faith ceases. 
Jesus had a lot of people following him that had these type of hearts. The Pharisees was the ones who were the ones that was along the path. They were the ones that was following Jesus with hard hearts. Jesus was preaching some dynamic sermons, and they constantly kept pointing back to their lineage and their heritage. They were getting jealous, and, and Jesus was preaching. Can you imagine hearing God preach? We have a snapshot of what he, he said, and we know that the word of God has sets our heart on fire, but I can only imagine the passion in which Christ must have preached. Can you imagine hearing someone preach who had never sinned? Can you imagine hearing someone preach who had it all together? Can you imagine hearing someone preach about the power of God who has just laid hands on someone and, and, and caused them to come back to life? Can you imagine someone being in the crowd and hating against them and trying to constantly choke them up or, or, or make them stumble over their words? That was the heart of the Pharisees. But there was a, another type, and it was a type that, had, that, that were the rocky ground people. These were the people that we see that, that when Jesus would say challenging things, they would just leave and depart. We read in the book of John how Jesus was preaching, how Jesus had just fed the multitude and everybody followed him over to the other side. And, and Jesus looked at all of his followers and he said, wow, you guys really are, are coming to hear the word. But I, I know that your intent of hearing the word is not because you see me as the Messiah, not because you see me as the, the son of God, rather, but you see me as someone who can give you whatever you want. And Jesus then stood back and he preached. A message that calls all of his false disciples to run away. He preached, he said, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. And the Bible says that the multitudes looked at him and said, what is this man talking about? And they left and they said that he's crazy. But his true disciples, they stuck around and Jesus looked and he said, will you not leave also? And they said, Lord, where else can we go? There were people who had rocky hearts and they left the moment that the word of God began to pierce their heart. The moment the word of God challenged them to do something that they did not want to do, they left. And in the body of Christ, we want to be careful to make sure that we are not rocky ground Christians. We want to make sure that we don't just come to church and hear the word with joy, and then when we leave out, we just ignore what it says. We get a quick fix and a quick high, and we come back the next Sunday, do the same thing, a quick fix, a, a quick high, but we go back into the world and live the same way. When the word of God, when it pierces our hearts, when it falls upon our hearts, we want the, the word of God to, to change us and we want to make room in our lives to, to apply the word of God. Blessed are not the hearers of the words. The Bible says, no, blessed are those who not only hear, but they do as well. The third type of heart, Jesus continues, and he says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves 
unfaithful. First type of heart we have is the heart that just utterly rejects the gospel, that does not repent. The second type of heart that we have is a, a, a rocky road heart. The third type of heart we see is, is a heart that hears the word, but they have a, another agenda. The Bible says that this type of heart, they, they hear the, the message of the gospel preached and they leave the church and they say, man, I'm glad I go to church. I, I, I have become a, a good person. But when they leave, they allow the world to persuade them. Third type of person is a person that keeps up with the Joneses. That's their priority in life. They follow Jesus in order to see or in order to get all that they can get from them. They came to Christ not because he is the savior of the world and he has saved them from their sins as the primary basis, but they have come to Christ because they believe that he can get them where they want to go. Say, well, this career wasn't working out, and I heard the preacher preach, and, and I've been struggling with my bills, and I've been struggling in so many areas of my life. I'm going to give Jesus Christ a try. And they hear the word, and they, they give him a try. But, but the whole time, they, the only reason that they really want him is because they want what he can give. They seek his hand and not his face. Jesus is a part of their life and not their life. The message of the gospel is radical because Jesus constantly teaches that I'm not to be a part of your life. I am to be your life. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. This third type of person, this third type of heart is the, the heart that is constantly seeking satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus is a part, but he's not their life. They come to church, but, but Christ is not the center of their heart. They hear the word, but Christ is not the center of their heart. I'm afraid that a lot of American Christianity falls under this third category. I'm not talking about a Forest Baptist church. I'm talking about other places. I'm afraid that, that a lot of what we see is people saying that they are Christian. And to them, they really believe that they are Christian because they have heard something good about Jesus or because they're able to articulate the gospel. But being a Christian is not someone who has just heard about Jesus. It is not someone who can articulate what Jesus has done for them. It is someone who radically abandons everything for him. Often when I used to do ministry on college campuses and we would go up to people and we would talk to people about Christ. I remember when I was first doing outreach, I would talk to someone and they would say, yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And I would just say, praise God at first. And I would just, just say, man, that's great. And well, we're just on campus and we're just trying to share the gospel with people and tell them about Christ. And they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I'm like, I'm great. And I go to the next person. Yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, great. But as I began to mature and grow in my word and, and begin to see what being a Christian truly was, I, I had to stop. 
Stopping right there. Had to start asking, what does it mean to be a Christian to you? And I began to let them define what it means to be a Christian. And many times what they said was not the definition in which Christ taught. You get answers like, to be a Christian means to do the best that you can do. To be a Christian means to go to church or to go to mass. To be a Christian means to just try to treat your neighbor as right as, as much as you can. They pointed to their works and not to their worth in Christ. To be a Christian means to be hidden in the righteousness of Christ. It means that we cannot earn our salvation or we, we, we understand that we cannot earn our salvation or do anything to impress God, but it means that we have accepted the one who has impressed God. Amen. And it means that we hide ourselves in his righteousness and that we accept what he has to say to us. And that's what we see here in Matthew chapter 4, the fourth type of person. Matthew chapter 13, I'm sorry, the fourth type of person. When Jesus was talking, he was preaching this parable of the sowers, we see the, the fourth type of person is the Christian. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The one that was sowed on, on good soil, he bore fruit. Because when he heard the message of Jesus Christ, he said, I need Christ to become my life and not a part of my life. And the question I want to ask to you today is, is Christ a part of your life or is he your life? When you hear the word of God preached, do you take it and eat it in a way in which it says, I know that this is the only thing that can satisfy me? When you hear the word of God preached, when you read the word of God, do you see it as God's inerrant word? As his instructions for life? Or is it just another good get help book? Do we view the Bible in the same way we view a, another book that's written by somebody else? Do we view the Bible as just something that has principles for our lives in which we can apply? Or do we see it as the very breath, the, the ruha of God? Do we see it as being God-breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit? Do we see Jesus as the bread of life? Notice he said, I am the bread of life. He pointed to something that was a necessity. He, he did not say, I was a brick of life. He said, I was the bread, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. Bread is necessary. If any man thirsts, let him come after me. He pointed to himself as, as water, for we know that we cannot survive without water. Jesus is, is a necessity, not a part. And for the one who sees Jesus as anything other than a necessity, then we fall under the category of either A, the path that was along the side of the road, B, the rocky ground, C, 
the thorns and the thistles, the, the rough ground. If we don't see them as, as a part, as, as our whole life, there will be trouble. Look at chapter 13. Jesus goes on and he continues on with, with these parables, but it's interesting how he ends the rest of these parables. In, in verse 30, we hear these words. On another parable Jesus is using, a parable about the weeds, he says, let both grow together into the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So we see here Jesus is saying that the, the weeds will be burned. The weeds are those people who are in the church but who truly don't love Jesus. They will be burned. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 42 the same thing. At the end of, the par of another parable, as he's explained the parable, he lets them know exactly what he means. And he says, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and, get, and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Throw them into a fiery furnace. Jesus continues on with each of these parables, and he's showing them that the one who does not have a heart that is susceptible to the gospel is the one who will be eternally separated from him. Eternal separation is, is a place of extreme torment. Hell is a, is a place that we don't like to talk about. Hell is a place that many people really don't believe in. Hell is a place that, that everybody thinks the other person is going to, but them. A Christian who does not have a theology of hell, a Christian who does not have a, a true vision of hell, a Christian who does not see how horrific hell is, is a Christian who does not share their faith. Is a Christian who, who genuinely does not love their neighbor. The Bible says the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. If someone was to tell you that your house was going to burn on fire and all the doors was going to be locked, if you went in your house tonight and there was going to be no way out, the windows would be shut, you would not go in that house because you know the torment that is to come. And if you saw someone else getting ready to walk into your house, that, that house that is, is blocked in, that house that has no hope, you would do everything in your power to beg them and beg them and plead with them. Please do not go into that house. There is damnation in that house. And yet, we must see the people who reject the gospel, they are headed to that house. In fact, many of them are already standing in the house. Some of them are sleeping in the, the bed of that house, and one day God will close the door to that house. It's not because God is unjust. It's the exact opposite reason. It's because God is just. And our jobs as Christians is to tell people to let them know that that house is burning, is coming down, and you, you have to get out of the house. The non-eternal 
things cannot satisfy you. The only thing that can satisfy you is Christ. Your heart was made to be satisfied by that which is eternal. Money will not satisfy you. Look at Tiger Woods. All the money in the world, but he's unsatisfied to the person who is chasing the dollar and who is constantly mad at God because they don't have the job of their dreams or they're constantly putting aside the things of God to, to get another job or to, to go to work and they're not fellowshipping. I want you to know that that money will not satisfy you. Money burns and one day it will burn. Satisfaction cannot be found in money. It cannot be found in your job. It cannot be found in another person. That person is not eternal, which means that that person will die. That person will not, they will dissatisfy you. Your heart was not made to lust and to follow a person, any other person than Christ. Christ is eternal person that's chasing fame, for the person that's chasing a, a dream that's other than Christ, we must know that it will not satisfy, that alcohol will not satisfy you. That's why you have to keep going to it over and over, and that's why after you drink it, you feel so bad, because it's a depressant, it's made to, after a while, it's going to make you feel bad, it cannot satisfy you, weed cannot satisfy you, sex cannot satisfy you eternally, none of these things can, you may get a, a temporary high, but it will come down, the only thing that can satisfy you is that which is eternal, the only thing that is eternal is God. When you go to school, and you're talking to somebody about anything, I want you to know that inside their heart, there's some soil. And either that soil is good soil, or that soil is bad soil. And if it's bad soil, no matter how happy they appear, they will one day be in misery. If it's bad soil, no matter how comfortable they look, one day they will be in discomfort. If it's bad soil, no matter how talented they are, one day they will stand before the God who gave them their talent and be held accountable. Hell must be real. We are surrounded by 1,400 homes in this neighborhood. These are our neighbors. And inside those homes, there are four or five, two or three, ten people living there, and each person has a heart, and each heart is either good or bad. And our job as Christ's church is to go outside of these doors and to make sure that they have heard 
the gospel, to make sure that they have at least had an opportunity to, to, to feel the, the seed fall on their, on their soil. In the month of February, we're turning up the heat on Satan and his kingdom. The month of March, we are turning up the heat on Satan and his kingdom. In the month of April, we're turning up the heat on Satan and his kingdom. As a church, we are putting together plans to reach every home in this neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason why is because tomorrow is not promised. Next year is not promised to the people that are in those homes. The last decade, 650 million people died from 2000 to 2010. 650 million worldwide. Each person had a heart. Each person had a soul. Each person, when they lifted up their eyes, they were either in the presence of God where there's the fullness of joy, or they were in damnation. I'm afraid that the worst thing that can happen to a church To a group of people that gather regularly is that they miss the point in which they gather. Yes, we need messages to encourage us. Yes, we, we, we need songs to, to lift our spirits. That's what the church is here for. But we also need songs that's going to remind us of what's happening outside of this world to those who have not accepted the gospel. We need sermons to remind us that the person that we sit with three times a week in that lunchroom who does not know Jesus, one day, one day they will be judged. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be over us so much. It needs to overshadow us so much to when people look at us, they see good news or they see judgment. They need to either smell the aroma of Christ or the aroma of death. Our conversation should all some way point back to that which is eternal. that which is eternal. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, and we're done. Last scripture. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. When you get there, say, got it. Not there, say, wait. We see that the Bible says that this seed that was sown on good soil that it bear fruit, it bear fruit. It's a theme throughout all of the Bible, this theme of bearing fruit. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of, a right, of the righteous is a tree of life. Are you a tree of life? And whoever captures souls is wise. Whoever captures souls is wise. My prayer today is two things. Number one is that if your heart has been hard towards Christ, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will allow it to be softened and that you will see that Jesus Christ truly is life. And that your heart at all times is worshiping something or someone. To worship means to give supreme worth to. And I pray today that if your heart is not worshiping Christ, that Christ will give you the grace to, to, allow, him to, to allow you to worship him. My second prayer is this is that for those of us who, who do worship Christ, for those of us who are doing our, our, our best to walk in his righteousness daily and to remind ourselves of what he has done for us, my, my second prayer today is, is that we would be wise and go fish men. It says the soul, that, that the person who captures souls is wise. It points back to the gospel of Jesus, the reason why he has called us. When he called his disciples, he, he called those who were fishermen, and he told them, he said, I will make you fishers of men. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a fisher of men. It means that, that we are constantly putting the gospel, which is the bait, on the fishing rod which represents the, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. We are constantly doing that, and we are reeling it out there to the world, praying that they will catch the bait, that the Holy Spirit will allow their teeth to, to grip the things that are eternal. And we will them in in love, and we will them in in grace, and we will them in by showing them that we are, are willing to, to go the extra mile for them in order to glorify Christ. We, we will them in by not gossiping. We, we will them in by being a light in a dark place. We, we will them in by showing them that the music that we listen to it exalts God. We, we will them in by letting Christ be the subject of our everyday conversation. We will them in by, by going out and, and watching a ball game with them, but by reminding them at the end of the ball game that even though people may have praised LeBron James, and even though he may call himself the king, that there is one who is higher than him, one whom his knees must bow down to praise, or one day he will be held accountable for his lack of Jesus Christ is Lord. He is fully God. And he was willing to put on human clothes. He was willing to put on flesh and blood in order to save us from our plight of damnation. 
He gave his life for you while you were yet still sinners. He died a death that we all deserve. He took every sin that I have ever done and every sin that I will ever do and he put it on his back. He took it up a hill called Golgotha and he, was, he stretched his, eye, his arms wide and allowed nails to go through him and he allowed his feet to be pierced and he allowed his back to lay up against a cross and he allowed the, the sun to beam down on him and he allowed himself to be mocked and taunted. He allowed himself to be buried in a borrowed tomb. He allowed himself to be seen as defeated in order that we would have victory. He allowed himself to bleed in order that our sins would be washed, in order that we would have forgiveness. And I pray today that if you do not know this resurrected Jesus who ascended into heaven and who sits on the right hand side of the Father, if you truly do not have a genuine relationship and love for him, I pray today that you will come to know him. If you have a relationship with him, but you have not been using wisdom and, and seeing that your life, the reason that you exist is to draw other people to him. And, and if you have not been living in the courage of the Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would beg God for the grace to live that way. This time I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to, to pray right now. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that he, and that, 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 then he will come into your heart and that he will redirect your heart and your life. I pray that you would just bow your heads and, and, and pray to God to come into your heart. And I pray at the end of this benediction that you will come and give your life to Jesus Christ and, and ask a leader or a deacon about how you can better know him. And if you know today that Jesus Christ is a part of your life and not your life, I ask you to beg him right now to, to be your life. And I ask you to come and talk to someone after service in order that they would, would pray with you. Father, I pray today that our hearts were open. I pray today, Father, that you will allow our hearts to burn with passion for you. That we, Father God, will be seen as wise and, and capture those who are lost. I pray, Father God, and I beg you that you would continue to allow us to, to raise up a church that's going to live radically for you, that will be willing, like the, the church in Acts, to abandon all for your glory. I pray, Father, that you would not allow us to get caught up in the things that don't matter, things that will one day burn. That you allow us to live sacrificially for you, knowing, Father God, that this 
life will be over soon and that one day, Father, we will live in eternity either before you or away from you. I beg you, Father God, that you would help us to get out of just religion and doing things for the sake of, of doing them and singing for the sake of singing and, and reading for the sake of reading, but that we will sing, Father God, in order to praise a God in heaven who cares more about us than anybody on this earth and that we will sing and, and to a God in heaven who was willing to send down his son for us that we will read the scriptures not because it's the right thing to do or because we, we want to feel good about ourselves but that we will read the scriptures in order that we can look more like Christ cut us Father God Cut the fat, trim the fat from us, Father God, and let us be spiritually lean for you that we may run this race that has been set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you stand to your feet, and we are going to close by singing the song that we started this sermon with.